Zephaniah, Zephaniah, go, Zephaniah. <laughs> All right, yeah, if we'd only had smartphones back when I was in Sunday school. Zephaniah chapter 3 is where we'll be, Zephaniah. The rest of you are, are going to take all night. Zephaniah is really one of those toward the end. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and then Malachi. So if you start at Malachi and just start thumbing backwards, only about five pages away from the Gospel of Matthew. Zephaniah chapter 3. This is the last in all of the sermons called Short-Winded Sermons. Zephaniah. What have been your impressions of the, of the minor prophets, the sermons we have, we've preached? This morning we were in, of course, the book of Obadiah, a very, very short book, a very stark message, though. We've been in Jonah together. We've been in Amos together. What are your impressions of the messages of these, what, what, what are called minor prophets? What, what, what do you say? Yeah, absolutely. The minor prophets would, would, would make you think that somehow they are lesser than other prophets, but their, their, their messages are actually major. Yeah, Diane. Sunday school class, your small group has been in the book of Amos, and it also, it, it, it will uh, really ex expose your heart, expose your soul. Difficult messages, and Zephaniah may be one of the harshest of the minor prophets. Uh, I mean, just take a look at verse, chapter 1, verse 2, how it begins. Uh, the first words of the Lord that come out of Zephaniah's mouth are, I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth. <laughs> that is harsh. That, that is harsh. I will sweep away people and animals alike. I will sweep away the birds of the sky, the fish in the sea. I will reduce the wicked to heaps of rubble and wipe humanity from the face of the earth. That's harsh. That, that is harsh. Zephaniah, like many of the minor prophets and the other prophets, they're talking about God's coming judgment. God has revealed to them that because of the wickedness of the people, the wickedness of the nation, that judgment will come. Zephaniah is one of the last ones that's going to preach before total destruction comes to Jerusalem. So honestly, he doesn't have anything good to say. It's all gloom. It's all doom. It, it is utter uh, scorched earth uh, message, which is why it's so surprising when you get to the end of the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 14. This is out of nowhere, people, out of nowhere. I mean, again, chapter 3 says, What sorrow awaits rebellious, polluted Jerusalem, the city of violence and crimes. No one can tell it anything. Its prophets are arrogant liars. I've wiped out many nations, but now I will wipe out. I mean, it's just, it's, it's horrible. And then, get this, chapter 3, verse 14, the last few verses of Zephaniah say this. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with, say it, all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem, for the Lord will remove his hand of judgment and will disperse the armies of your enemy, and the Lord himself, the King of Israel, will live among you. At last your troubles will be over and you will never again fear disaster. On that day the announcement to Jerusalem will be, cheer up, Zion, don't be afraid, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness, with his love. He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. 
I will gather you who mourn for the appointed festivals. You will be disgraced no more. And I will deal severely with all who have oppressed you. I will save the weak and helpless ones. I will bring together those who were chased away. I will give glory and fame to my former exiles wherever they have been mocked and shamed. On that day, I will gather you together and bring you home again. I will give you a good name, a name of distinction among all the nations of the earth as I restore your fortunes before their very eyes. I, the Lord, have spoken. After this incredibly terrible message of judgment and destruction, the prophet ends his sermon with an instruction to sing and rejoice with all of your heart. There was a man named John Crabtree who was a Vietnam vet and uh, totally dependent upon his check from the government. He was disabled. Uh, and so you can imagine his fear and shock and, and confusion on the day that he received a, a letter in the mail that said that his benefits as a veteran would, be, uh, 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 would no longer be coming for the simple reason that he was dead. Okay, understand, John got the letter in the mail and he read it. He's not dead. It's the government writing him a letter to say, we've heard you're dead, so your check's not coming anymore. Okay, y'all have any idea how this probably turns out? You ever tried to call the government and try to convince them you're alive? Understand? And, and that was John's incredible burden. Um, how do you prove you're alive? especially to the federal government. He, he called them and wrote them and has done everything he can to get that check, uh, uh, get that check to, to begin coming again. He simply cannot live without it. But at the same time, the government simply cannot seem to accept any kind of proof that, that he's alive. How do you prove you're alive? It, it's an interesting thing because some of us sort of go through our lives without a lot of life in us. I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's as if we go through the motions. Some of us actually live life at a very, very low level of, of, of satisfaction, a very low level of life. What would you say is, is essential to life? When, when we begin to live that way, like, like, like the walking dead, like zombies going through uh, the, our, our days uh, one after the other, what is it that's missing truly when we really stop living even as we continue to walk around. What's, what's the essential ingredient, do you think? Hope? Yeah, I, I would say hope as well. well. What is hope? Yeah, hope is always future-oriented. Hope is what continues to help me to believe that even though today is horrible, even though today does not bring me blessings and happiness, tomorrow will. Hope is always that, that, that assurance that, that tomorrow will somehow c could turn out better than today. It's, it's hope, and it's, it's ingredient to life. It, it really, truly is. What else would you say? Hope is vital. Hope is important in this passage. Yeah, of course, Jesus. It, it is Jesus who has come to bring us life and to bring us life Abundant, uh, abundant life, Jesus says. And it is that abundance, it's that overflowing quality of life that many of us seem to be lacking. And that's what Jesus wants to give us, a, a life that overflows. What is that overflowing quality? W would you have a word for that, a name for that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's joy. 
Joy is that, that overflowing quality of, of life, and it is joy that is so often lacking from our lives. And it is joy that Zephaniah wants to um, preach and bring and somehow give as a gift to the people of Jerusalem. It, it, it's really kind of startling. First off, he has no good news for them, absolutely no good news for them. It is a message of, as I say, gloom, doom, and, and horror, and yet at the very end, he just simply gives this commandment in verse 14 to sing and rejoice. Where does that come from? That, that ability to sing or rejoice, even though you know that things are only going to get worse, because that's what he's been telling them, things are going to get much worse for you, so why don't you just rejoice with all your heart? That's either amazing and beautiful or just crazy. The ability to rejoice and sing, even though you know things will get worse, where, where does that come from? Talk to me. Yeah, faith in God's promises. Yeah, faith in what God has promised. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, 10 years of depression, yeah, and then you uh, heard from God, the word of the Lord is what brought you out of that. Yeah, when you begin to hear God's voice, you know that he'll guide you through it. Yeah, Rod, your hand was up. Yeah, for the joy, the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Yeah, so sometimes we know that while uh, sorrow may endure for the night, joy comes in the morning. Yeah, truly there is much of this in what Zephaniah is, is, is saying. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. For the Lord will remove his hand of judgment and will disperse the armies of your enemy. And the Lord himself, the King of Israel, will live among you. And at last, your troubles will be over. It's the continual message of Scripture that you're going to have trouble, but it won't last forever. It, it will not last. Troubles don't last. And when you are in the middle of your troubles, it seems like it will never end. And you feel like you'll never, ever rejoice again. It, 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 it feels that way. But the promise here, the promise of the Lord that Zephaniah gives the people as a gift is that promise that, that this is not going to last forever. It may seem like it will, but listen to the word of the Lord. Your troubles will be over. They will be over. I was telling you about my, my cousin Rick Ball, who will be buried tomorrow. He was diagnosed seven years ago with cancer, and I guess he knew from that point on that he was going to die. I guess we all knew that. But 
Rick decided that, that he had a son and he was going to raise that son. And, and the amazing thing was the way he managed to raise his son. Uh, Rick Ball, uh, in all of those years of cancer, he never complained. And if he was actually ever sick, which I know he was, and I know he had extreme pain, you never heard about that. Rick Ball cooked all of the pies for our giant family every Christmas. Like, we got women who can cook and, and men who could at least stop at Walmart, but Rick Ball would make all of the pies. And again, this is the family member who, who, who has cancer. Today, watching all of the slides at the funeral home and seeing just the, the pictures of his life, especially the last seven years, Rick always had a fanny pack on, which incidentally, those are, you know, don't wear fanny packs. They're really not in style. You know that, right? Uh, but Rick wasn't wearing a fanny pack to be in style. That was chemotherapy. He was on chemo that whole time. And, and honestly, most of us forgot. We just nearly forgot about that because he didn't make that a deal. He, he, he strapped it on and he just went. And see, this is, this is different from some of us because I'm telling you, y'all, if, if I got a hangnail, I'm calling in sick. Uh, I mean, you know, some of us just aren't very hardy. And uh, the, the least amount of suffering will lay us flat out on, on our backs. But then the, there, there are these people, that there is this quality that Zephaniah promises that, that, that makes you able somehow to endure. The Lord will remove his hand of judgment and will disperse the armies of your enemy. And the Lord himself, the king of Israel, will live among you. At last your troubles will be over and you will never again fear disaster. But where does it come from, this ability to rejoice even when you know things are going to get worse? It, it, it comes from the fact that we anchor our hope not in our present situation but in the promises of God. That is where my hope comes from. I don't read my circumstances to figure out whether or not I'm going to have hope. I'm going to trust in the Lord. You understand that? My circumstances may tell me that things are going from bad to worse, but the Lord promises me that my troubles will be over. I don't know when. I only know that I will get through them and I will come through victorious. That is the promise of the Lord. That's where my hope comes from, and that's where your hope has to come from. And that is why Zephaniah can say, sing. And he's talking about sing now. He's not saying that you're going to go through some mess, but now at the end of that, won't it be good then? And we're all, we'll all, we'll sing and shout the victory then. Now, that's not what he's saying. He's saying you can sing right now. You can rejoice with all your heart right now because you know that at the end of this, it's not the end. You understand? What's happening is not the end. There's something on the other side of this, and it's going to be good. You just have to get through this, and then God is going to do something wonderful. And that is exactly why you start now. You must not wait until your troubles are over to start rejoicing. Because if you try to wait till all your troubles are over, you'll never rejoice. You, you never will. You simply have to find a heart that rejoices even in the midst of your struggle, even in the midst of your trouble, even in the midst of your pain. You have to find a heart that rejoices. Had Zephaniah not given this instruction, had the people not learned how to sing and rejoice, even in the midst, even at the front end of their struggle, they would probably never make it through this struggle. It is this heart full of hope and this heart full of faith and this heart full of joy that gets you through. Earlier tonight, we sang the song, the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
understand? Joy is strength, absolutely. On that day, the announcement to Jerusalem will be, cheer up, Zion, don't be afraid, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. Now, this is startling, but, but even in the midst of trouble, even with the promise that things are going to go from bad to worse, the Lord your God is still living among you. He's still with you. He, he's still there. So what's he doing? If, if my life is going from bad to worse, if, if everything's just falling apart and yet God is with me, what in the world is he doing? Is he just sitting on his hands? Yeah, there is so much that we don't see. So to even talk about what he's doing to protect us, what he's doing to bless us, it's hard to know in the middle of it, isn't it? We can always see it better in hindsight. But in the middle of it, we just don't always know. Yeah, what do you say, Nicole? Yeah, he will not abandon me. And no matter what I go through, I will never go through it alone. Yeah, Joshua. Your grandma used to say baby, she called you baby. Yeah, I'm glad to know that. Uh, <laughs> baby, don't ever let any, anybody steal your joy. Can't nobody steal your joy. Yeah, our, our real life is kept in, in, in God in Christ. And, and this is not our real life. And, and we shouldn't necessarily look to this world, look to this life to, uh, to, to bring us our joy. I, the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away, baby. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. The Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. Well, what is he doing? Of all things, listen, verse 17, he'll take delight in you with gladness, with his love, he will say it, calm. What? He'll, he'll calm. This is the really difficult thing for many of us. We, uh, we want life to be calm and, and we want God to calm us, but, but, but we miss the promise of scripture. It, it's not that all of life will be calm. But that's really not the promise at all. It's that in the midst of whatever happens, God will be able to calm you. It is a peace that passes all understanding, according to Paul, which means it's a peace that you have that, that honestly, there's no earthly explanation for it. It's beyond understanding. The way you have peace in the middle of your storm is, is absolutely a, a God thing. You under, understand? This is the promise that, that there is a shelter for us in the middle of the storm. That there is peace in the midst of whatever happens to us. He will take delight in you with gladness, with his love. He will calm all your fears. And, and then here's this verse. He will rejoice over you 
with joyful songs. He's singing over me. Okay, what does that even mean? What kind of song is he singing? Some of you are thinking country music. I, 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 I know, that would just make it worse for me. Uh, what's it mean to say he's singing over me? In the middle of my struggle, in the middle of my mess, he's singing? He's singing a joyful song in the middle of my trial? How does that even work, Jack? How is he singing a joyful song when I am struggling? Yeah, he knows the end, and he knows that joy is what's going to get me through it. Yeah, that's good stuff, Jack. That's good preaching back there. Yeah, he knows the end, and he knows that joy will get me through it. What else? What kind of songs he's singing? How does singing help? Margie. Yeah, yeah, you just woke up uh, with, with one of two songs, and it seemed like they were just gifts from the Lord. Uh, this is amazing grace or oceans. Yeah. What kind of songs he's singing over me? Maybe a lullaby? Any of your mothers or dads ever sing to you? Yeah, you might have a mother that couldn't sing, and yet still she tried to sing to you. I've heard people say that, Mom, don't sing, don't, don't sing. Why do parents sing over their children? Well, why do we even try? Even though we, we're no good at it, we can't sing. Why, do, why, why is it there that impulse to sing over your children? Yeah, there's something calming uh, about it. A absolutely. Yeah, something calming. I used to grab Wade Crawford up in my arms, and I would just simply sing, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus in the morning, Jesus in the noontime, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, when the sun goes down, love him. And I would just sing and sing and sing. What was I doing? I was calming him, trying to. You know, he's like wrestling a pig, and you're just trying to <laughs> sing, sing that. But what, what, what else am I doing? Love him, love. Yeah, I'm teaching. I, I, I want to sing not just over him, but into him. I wanted, I wanted to sing those words into his soul. I knew he was too little to really absorb the words logically. I, I wanted somehow to, to, to plant those words in his heart like seeds in soil. You, you understand? I, I wanted to sing into him and, and over him. I think God must sometimes be singing songs that are beyond our comprehension, but at the same time, he is singing into us Oh, and, and, and I, I pray that, that what he sings into me will somehow grow in my soul like seeds in soil. Well, what else? What other kind of singing do, do, do people actually do? When else do you sing? Their lullabies? What else? Yes, yeah, celebration songs, songs of joy, it says. Maybe, maybe it's, just, it's, it's God's way of, of celebrating even in advance of of the victory, go ahead and celebrate the victory. Now we can do that, yeah. Anybody sing when they work? Anybody sing when, sing when they work? Yeah. What do you sing when you work? It's usually different kind of songs. What do you sing? Rhonda, did you say you're a, a working singer? 
Yeah, something to, 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 to keep you going, to something to keep you moving. Yeah, anybody else? William, you said you sing while you work. What do you sing? On the lawnmower. Yeah, singing on, anybody else singing on the lawnmower? Man, yeah, Dennis, you singing on the lawnmower? That's awesome, because the lawnmower is loud, so you sing louder, but everybody else just hears you. You know, they don't hear the lawnmower, they just hear you, ah, driving. Uh, nobody else has to, you know that you're, you know what you're singing in yourself, yeah. Maybe God is singing work songs. Maybe his singing is his way of doing his work in us. And maybe that song is a song that reminds us that he is not sitting on his hands, but he is at work. One way or another, what Zephaniah tells us is that somehow with the very music of God, the world is remade. With the very music of God, my heart is made calm, my fears are removed, and the world is made right. God is always, always singing over me with joyful songs. Because he is already singing joyful songs, I can't wait. Understand? I can't wait till the troubles are over. Because I'm not sure troubles are ever going to be over. You know, as soon as one trouble is over, have you not noticed how life is? There is another one just waiting at the door, and sometimes they all show up at once. If you're going to wait until there's a perfect day with nothing left to complain about, you will never, ever rejoice. Yeah. Yeah, there you, yeah, tell her if, if she'll come, Casey will rap for her, just personal, <laughs> pers personal show. There's just so much rejoicing to be done. We can't wait. We can't wait to rejoice. Let's say that next Saturday uh, you uh, wake up and uh, it's one of those mornings you're kind of moving slow and uh, nobody else is home. It's just you by yourself. Uh, let's say that you decide to go out and get the paper. Anybody still get a paper? Uh, you're going out to get a paper. And uh, you're, you're in your boxers and you really don't think the neighbors need all that. So you, you look for something to put on and the only thing you find is, is your wife's pink house coat. So you put on your wife's pink house coat. It really doesn't cover your belly, but, but, but that's okay. It covers everything else. And so you kind of tie it up high and your belly's here and the pink house coat and, and you go out and you get the paper. You come back in and, and you start to make coffee and then you realize that you haven't put your teeth in yet. You don't have your dentures in. And so you're toothless and the pink robe and your belly. And uh, about that time you hear a knock at the door and, and you think, well, I don't know what you think. You just decide to go answer the door as you are because it's early Saturday morning. And when you open the door, there's a camera crew, you know, and the guy's out there with a giant check. And they're telling you, you've won. Like you're the million dollar winner and there you are on TV with your belly and the pink house coat and, and, and no, no teeth in your head. 
and you're just shouting and understand you're celebrating it, it, nothing matters anymore because you have just won i mean the million dollars you, you've hit the sweepstakes you've won the lottery and and you celebrate and you would have no trouble celebrating understand you would give no thought to the way you look no thought to everything that is wrong all of a sudden everything is right you, you, you you've won the giant check you understand and on that day you would think it has happened for you it's, it's finally happened for you you've a reason to rejoice I just want to remind you that it's already happened for you. You have already won. More than the lottery, more than the sweepstakes, you are more than a millionaire. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You've already won. You're going to go through some things. And Zephaniah would say things could go from bad to worse. Your circumstances could absolutely fall in around you. But, but no matter what happens, what matters most with the Lord is what happens next. And he always has the final word. And his final word will be over you a joyful song of celebration. He's already singing it now. So what Zephaniah would say is, although you may not necessarily have a life that feels like a musical song, why don't you just sing anyway? And although there are lots and lots of reasons why you might choose not to rejoice, you still have the option of rejoicing anyway. So why don't you just choose to rejoice anyway? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Any final thoughts? Anything at all? Yeah, Nancy. Yeah, on your, on your very worst day on earth, you think about your very best day in heaven, and uh, somehow it all begins to fall into place, doesn't it? And we find a heart that'll rejoice. Yeah. God bless you. I can't wait to be in heaven with you, Nancy. We will have a great time, and I want to hear you singing in that choir. That's going to be good. Yeah. Let's pray together. Lord, I spent the whole day at the funeral home. I saw a 20-year-old boy who's burying his father. And a woman so sweet, but now so lonesome. Lord, life on this earth can just be so exasperating. And life will break our hearts, Lord, every single day that there's just a new heartbreak. Lord, there's cancer and all kinds of debilitating diseases and problems financial and problems relational, Lord. So difficult sometimes to be married, to stay married. It's just difficult, Lord, to raise our children 
difficult, Lord, to worry about our children. It's hard to get along at work. It's just hard, Lord. Sometimes it's just so hard. And yet, the promise, Lord, that, that you gave us that, that in this world we would have trouble, but, but that you, oh Christ, have overcome the world. That somehow in the midst of all of life and all of our struggles and all of the storms, that somehow in the middle of all of it, we can have peace because of your love. Thank you today, Lord, that even though we were a family at a funeral home, a home full of faith and hope and love, and though, Lord, our hearts were breaking, our hearts were not crushed, and, and though, Lord, we know that today is a sad day, we know that there is a joyful day to come, God, when the circle will be unbroken and you yourself will wipe away every tear from our eyes. God, you tell us in your word to rejoice, and, and again, to rejoice, to rejoice in the Lord, to rejoice. We rejoice in the Lord because the Lord is already always rejoicing, Lord. From your vantage, from what you see, you know what you have prepared for us, and you know how good it is, and already you sing over us songs of celebration and joy because of what you see, because of what you know, because of what you're going to do. Lord, we don't see what you see, but yet you can still put that joy in our hearts. So God, tonight, Put that joy in our hearts. And I pray for those, Lord, who are in the midst of a storm. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your love would calm them, calm every fear. Lord Jesus, I pray that everyone in this house tonight or in the sound of my voice who feels depressed or, or defeated or who feels, Lord, like a zombie walking through life without any life, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would teach them that joy, the joy found in you is strength for our lives. So, Lord, tonight there are so many things we could complain about, but, Lord, so much to rejoice over. There's just so much rejoicing to be done. So send us out, Lord Jesus, with joyful hearts. Sing over us, Lord God, and allow us to join the song. Teach us the secret of joy in all things. In the name of Jesus, amen. I love you guys. Have a great week. See you in two weeks.